Mixed Media Movies. And welcome back to Mixed Media. We're doing our live show right now. So if you want to check us out, I was going to give you a time. I think this will be a, a, a time that we, we stick with as, as of now, as of now. Uh, but the best way to figure out what time we're going to be live every week is to either subscribe, whether you're on uh, Rumble or YouTube, you should get a notification. I guess I'm supposed to tell you to hit the notification bell as well. I've I've never done that for any YouTube channel. I still get notifications, so I don't know. <laughs> and uh, uh, I think the bell makes sure that you get every notification. Ah, Otherwise, it's just personalized notifications. Ah, that makes sense. So definitely hit that bell because you want to get every notification that we have to offer. Um, if not that, then you can check us out on Discord. Uh, go to mixedmediapodcast.com for all the links or check out the links in the description as well. So we're here right now Monday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time if that's what we uh, decide to go forward with. Uh, that's what we're doing right now. So I get to react to some uh, hot takes randomly selected from uh from reddit well not randomly <laughs> not literally a roulette but my co-hosts here have uh selected some links for me to check out i have not seen any of them except for the one i picked for myself all right so uh here's the first one so i found this one um didn't get much attention this person didn't get much attention and it's not so much of a hot take as much as it is just uh, asking some really honest questions about indie filmmaking that I think I can answer. So uh, hopefully appreciate that, um, someone actually answering your questions. But uh, this person's asking questions about independent production. And I know that's a confusing space to enter. And it's really, really, really difficult. So I'll just uh, go down and give uh, my best answer. So the first question is, are film festivals really as genuine as they look on paper? What are chances? What are the chances of the unknown director getting selected? Are they really as genuine as? It depends what you mean by genuine, right? Like, I mean, are the artists genuine? Are the organizers genuine? And really, either way, it's going to be a big. It depends. <laughs> you know, it depends on uh, the film festival. I mean, most filmmakers who submit to these things are probably genuine. The organizers, uh, there are a lot of uh, grifts, for lack of better word, out there. So really be careful with how you spend your money. Um, spend your money at festivals, I would say, that you know what their track record is and uh, that you're willing to go to, especially uh, if it's your first film you want to go to every festival that you get into, for sure. Um, it'll just be a cool experience, uh, if anything else. Um, there's a lot of uh, Hollywood film festivals that you should absolutely avoid just because it's in Hollywood. You should not submit to it just because it says Hollywood on it and it takes place in Hollywood. There's a lot of grifting happening out of L.A. Uh, for, for filmmaker dollars. So uh, and, and these events are basically no one pays attention to uh, and there will be no one at. So <laughs> don't don't spend your money on those for sure. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't want to get into the higher level of Hollywood and all that. But yeah, there's there's a lot of like two facing. But. That, that happens with all business endeavors. So I, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't sweat it. Um, I would ask yourself first the question of why you're submitting to film festivals. And if your answer is to get found, don't do it. <laughs> if that's if that's your, if that's your, if your quest is to get discovered, that is not the right, uh, that is not the right mentality. Do it because you want your film to be shown. 
um, potentially to make connections with other filmmakers or low level producers and stuff like that. Um, but if you're, if you're looking for like an easy ladder to success, um, I don't care if you made, you know, if I saw it, it was the best film of all time. I would not bank on film festivals being the way you do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that's my opinion there Two, What happens to my film if it performs poorly at film festivals? Nothing. That, that's that's the great part. Nothing happens to you, you know. Oh, if you mean you don't you don't get into film festivals, then you've wasted money, which is something, right? Like if you're gonna don't drop a thousand dollars on uh, on entry entry fees and uh, be sad because you didn't make it into any because they weren't realistic with your prospects. Really, there's there's this really hard thing with filmmaking where it's very hard to get outside opinions that are extremely honest. Right? This is for any art. Right. But you also have to want that too. You need both, right? You can't just, uh, just expect people to be hard with you, but you also have to desire that because once you hear it, you can't unhear it. (laughs) So, so go out and search for, you know, good, honest opinions about what people think about your films, which is very difficult. If at best, you know, or at worst, really be honest with yourself about the prospects you think that you have with the film Always shoot your shot with some random uh, big film festival. Just pick a random gigantic film festival. And just because it's cool, just submit one of them to one of them. Um, this is getting closer and closer to an analogy of uh, game, video games and publishers. Because it's sort of the same thing. Right? It's like, worst case scenario, well, you just you just don't get in, right? Or um, best case scenario, you have the option, if you want to, to uh, pursue whatever uh, pursue your idea with whatever publisher which is a pretty good best case scenario <laughs> depending on the publisher i guess and you know also just randomly shoot shoot an email to one of the big big uh, big publishers just to see what happens <laughs> yeah yeah exactly really it worked i think one of the greatest things about uh, film festivals i think they're losing their utility uh very quickly which is kind of sad but the, one of the cool things about it is that you get to practice some of your pitching and business skills, which are going to be extremely important for you um, going forward, putting together some marketing for your film and uh, really trying to get some energy behind it is super important. Uh, number three, what are some selling options other than film festivals? Ooh, okay. So now I know where your head is at. Let me disabuse you of this <laughs> idea of selling your film. <laughs> I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but like, I actually just want to be honest because again, it's it's sometimes hard to hear the honest thing. You're probably not going to get your film sold. And I'm going to tell you why without even watching your film, because one short films bar, the bar of entry to create a short film has been the lowest ever. Right. Which is, I think is actually a good thing. A net positive thing. Um, You know, I have a camera right now in front of me that's filming my me as a webcam that is technically a photography camera, but I could totally shoot a commercial or short film with it. And that's how how low the uh, bar of entry has gotten. Right. So you're going to be competing with a lot of people. And the practical reality is that these judges aren't going to watch everything. That's just the practical reality. So even if you have, you know, a legendary film, you know, maybe best short film of all time. I don't know. The chances that someone will see it and appreciate it for what it is after slogging through, you know, 2000 short films for their film festival is kind of low 
and I'm talking about for film festivals that have markets. So this is something that not a lot of people understand because, oops, sorry, because it's actually kind of confusing. So some film festivals have markets and some don't. What a market is is where there are people going and looking to buy rights to things when they're there, right? So Sundance has a market, South by Southwest has a market, you know those those kinds of uh, festivals. Um, yeah, so Tribeca has a market. You get what I'm saying, but. What are all those names? Gigantic film festivals. So, <laughs> you know, so the first barrier to entry to get your film sold is to get into a gigantic film festival, which, again, it's not that your film might be bad or may not or may not be better than, you know, many of the films at those film festivals. But one, those film festivals in terms of genuineness I'm going to say they go. it goes a little bit down. There's a lot of uh, people who know people who get their films into those film festivals that take slots, right? Just being realistic. Um, you know, I, not discouraging you from submitting to them, to just being realistic. And two, you know, again, they're looking at thousands of submissions and uh, they might be half asleep and or drunk, depending on the judge that you are, the judge that is watching your film. So, let me disabuse the idea of selling your film. Now, when you, if you ever get to a position where you're going to sell a short film, you're probably going to get screwed. What I mean by that is they're probably not going to hand you cash ever, even if you did have the be- best uh, short film ever. They're probably going to promise you a slice that's probably ridiculous and domestic sales only. And it's probably not going to be exciting whatsoever. And uh, so short films don't really sell like that. If it's a feature film... That's a much different conversation in terms of if you actually got to the point of selling, you might actually have something interesting on your hands. Maybe not in terms of money per se off the bat, but in terms of uh, opportunities to launch your career further. So there's that. Um, number four, should I spend my money on film school instead? So <laughs> uh, sorry to all my people who went to film school. My answer is no. <laughs> Don't go to film school. Well, okay, asterisk, very big asterisk. Go to film school if you need the connections. You know, if you, okay, actually, let me caveat that even even a, in a bigger, bigger way. If you are entrepreneurial and you're not scared of that, don't go to film school. Not because, you know, there are not good film schools out there or you may not learn something or all that kind of stuff. Just because that money that you spend Acquiring that much debt could be spent on a, a lot more than what's that, what the return on investment is going to be at the particular film school. Asterisk, because if you get into, let's say, a big L.A. film school, you might meet someone. You might meet a whole group of people who vibe, you vibe, vibe with, who you start making films with you know, going forward. But that's a very case-by-case basis. You really have to know yourself, which I think I've said on the show many, many times. One of the biggest things is really know yourself. Don't just follow a path because other people are taking it. Don't just listen to what I say because I said it. Know what your strengths are because I'm going to come from a biased perspective of what my strengths are, right? So think about, okay, am I comfortable? Uh, do, do I tolerate risk well? Am I responsible? You know, real answers, right? Uh, and, uh, if the answer is, yeah, I can tolerate the risk. I'm responsible. I'm entrepreneurial. I know how to deal with finance and money. 
don't go to school, <laughs> do your own thing. If your answer is, I really need creative support and uh, there's some things I, I probably could learn, especially like the nitty gritty technical stuff. If you're not very nerdy about film, naturally, it might be a good idea to learn those things in a class where you're kind of forced through the, the paces of the technical aspects of filmmaking and all that kind of stuff. There's a whole plethora of reasons why you might go to film school. But I think if avoidable, avoid it and take the time that's my personal opinion, at least. <laughs> I, I would add to, not that I have like truly direct personal experience, but from going to a school that has a you know pretty big film program in LA, I will say that these programs, and the ones in LA especially, are probably very difficult to get into and are hyper-competitive. Even though my school is not like the biggest one, you know, the, everyone is fight. I think they literally like if you don't, you know, like kick you out of the program after your sophomore year if you're not like good enough. And everyone out here, all they all want the same thing, and they all want the same industry connections. So keep keep that in mind if you're going for somewhere in LA too. Yeah, that's a very good point for sure. Yeah. So uh, I know this all sounds very negative, but it, it really isn't, I promise. Go check out some of our other episodes about uh, filmmaking. I think there's more positive stuff to say about striking it out on your own. I think the last thing here is uh, how much money should I keep in my wallet for marketing my film? Well, so the industry standard is the same as your budget, but it's not going to work out that way for you, I'm assuming, because your budget's probably really tiny. <laughs> so normally in, in uh, the industry, it's literally take your take your film budget and multiply it by by two, and that's your total budget, and half of that is marketing. But that, what that should tell you is how important marketing is. Um, I won't go into the super details because I actually just do this every day. This is mostly what I do business-wise with my own business. Actually, so you can email me, irving at ariella.co, irving at ariella.co, or you can, uh, I don't know, find me. You'll, you'll, you'll find some way to find me. Email podcast at outlook.com. This is not a sales pitch. I'm not going to charge you for anything. But if you just want to like talk to me over on the phone over your particular circumstance, I would actually just love to have that conversation regardless of anything. I highly doubt you could be a client anyway. So that's not the bias. It's just, uh, you know, I would love to have a conversation with anyone. Um, and yes, so take some money aside. I would say, you know, minimum... 10% of whatever your budget is has got to be marketing. That's the bare minimum. And if you're going to do 10%, then you really have to be willing to put in the grease and the elbow work to do everything by hand, <laughs> you know, like uh, get people hyped by hand, like all the things and uh, really spend your time learning before you put that film out before, if you're not even in production yet, take that time to learn some marketing stuff before you go ahead. Um, so that would be my advice. And uh, again, all that sounded super negative, but I still think this is uh, a great time to uh, strike it out as an artist. Sans recession, <laughs> that's that's about to happen. But besides that, otherwise, it would have been a pretty great uh, situation <laughs> to to start to strike yourself out. So, you know, and maybe school is better for you because of the economic situation as a whole. I don't know. Can't answer that question for you. So there we go. Let's see. This one is from Ben. All right. So let's see. Can someone please explain Blade Runner? And then mini essay. <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to describe for me? Um. Sure. So I 
will give the caveat that I have never seen this film, so I'm not really the most knowledgeable about what exactly this person's saying. I know that person kind of gets torn apart in the comments. So the person says basically they don't like Ford's narration uh, and it doesn't fit with the film in their opinion. They don't, they, they're really confused about what exactly is the replicants are and they don't understand why the replicants like the everything about them isn't explained we don't understand the person doesn't understand what exactly the replicants want and what what their motivation is in the film and i feel like that any explanation they got took place too late in the film for it to matter and they they finish with um for all those reasons i felt it was a mess of a film with no directions which is surprising given Ridley Scott's Alien was only three years uh, prior to that. And they also say they don't understand how those two, I don't know who those two are, are in love by the end because they barely even knew each other. And the person asks, you know, if someone who is a Blade Runner fan can explain why this film is a, a good film because to them, they feel like it's a mess of a film. Right. Uh, so that that's an interesting opinion. I, I haven't seen Blade Runner in quite a while, but these are very general questions because I was afraid that I was going to have to explain the exact plot plot, but these are very like broad questions <laughs> that you're asking here. So uh, I was just reading also some of the replies, which are interesting, but um, it depends on what, okay. I have an episode. It, it's called um, why art class failed you before I sound pretentious. Go ahead and check that out so that you don't think I'm like a crazy person or anything like that. But, and also a caveat, this is actually, I'd actually, I'm not a like, big fan of this film i don't really understand why i think it has like a wide cultural significance but i don't i don't personally i wasn't personally super impressed by the film uh i almost expect to be more impressed pressed by blade runner 2049 when i finally put plop it into my blu-ray player um when i watch it then i was blade runner um that being said i think it's a, a respectable film it's not like i hate the film or anything like that. So just saying, it, I'm not biased <laughs> when I tell you this or anything like that. I don't really have any attachment to this film. But I think what it is, is that you might not be used to ingesting films that rely on what I call at least like information starvation as its means of tension, right? So like you not knowing something as its means of tension. And so I know there's a lot of, uh, think about it this way, like expectation is often used as a tool in a lot of arts. So what do you expect to see versus what you do see, right? So in film, especially because it has a time, you know, films take place over time, there's a lot of information starvation that happens playing with your expectations. But if you're expecting a movie to be good, has X quality, like easily intelligible, right? Then you may off the bat be confused or not, not feeling good about the film or you feel like something's missing or something like that, just depending on the films that you've, or you're used to watching and used to liking, right? Cause there are films that are extremely easily intelligible and actually that's a strong suit for them because that's the, that's their style of uh, storytelling. So Blade Runner definitely doesn't fall into that category. It's not a straightforward story in the sense that it's not, everything's not presented. The audience isn't presented with information that the characters don't have. Right. So as the main characters starve for information, so as so are you. Right. And so you're kind of going through the mystery with him. So take it from that angle and maybe watch it again and say, 
what do I know now, now that I've watched the entire film, that I didn't know before, that might be coloring this different, and why is that contrast happening, right? And then, I don't know, just give it another shot. I, I'm not saying you'll like the movie, because, again, I think it's kind of an okay film. You know, it's it's got huge cultural significance, but, you know, I, I don't, I'm not personally terribly attracted to the film. But just get, maybe it's a good exercise, though, right, and say, okay, I'm not used to watching a film where there's not a lot going on in terms of uh, the audience being exposed to the information of the world um, and go back and maybe pay it maybe see, okay, does that force me to pay attention to a lot of little details, little subtleties and not just subtleties in what you see or what people are saying, but even in facial expressions, right? Cause that can be some of the magical qualities of uh, this kind of storytelling is, you know, forcing you to lean in and really pay attention to everything um, so that you can, uh, you can get it right. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm not going to explain it to you. <laughs> that's, that's my, uh, that's my short answer. <laughs> Nathan's next. So this one says, I hope the next Superman movie takes a little inspiration from one punch man. <laughs> Do not downplay his powers and make a fun, entertaining story around him. That's <laughs> that's a really funny, funny, uh, funny idea. So, uh, for those who don't know, One Punch Man is a satirical anime. You know, satirical about mostly shoguns, anime shoguns, and all, all their uh, respective uh, tropes. And uh, the funny thing about uh, this suggestion is that One Punch Man is. It's a super Superman of sorts. I mean, he's invincible, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know he can pretty much kill anything with a punch. Uh, except he just doesn't even have a kryptonite, as far as we know, at least as far as we know, he doesn't have a kryptonite. And so I guess you know it depends on what your expectations are for Superman. So you know I'm not a Superman expert or anything like that. Um, I'm not particularly attracted to the character of Superman either. So, you know, there's that. But what I understand from DC fans is that what they like about Superman, in fact, what they like about most DC heroes in general, is they like their uh, core moral good, right? So they like the fact that unlike, let's say, Marvel characters, these characters fight for these higher ideals of 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 good that are a little, are, are of sort of a higher echelon than the, the the villain of the day, but these more abstract virtues and that they stay basically good, even if they mess up here or there. So that's what DC comic fans like about their heroes. And Superman is kind of like the epitome of that, right? Like he's just basically good, right? Throughout his uh, character development, even though he may mess up here or there, you know, he's a basically good guy. Marvel characters are kind of these flawed creatures that need to change in order to arise to their role, right? So there's these two sort of archetypal things happening on both sides of the spectrum that are equally archetypical in terms of storytelling that you could sort of come at these characters at. For Superman, <clears throat> it's a real big extreme because he's he's really basically good. Like, Batman has, like, really low lows in his, like, you know... In his uh, in his various uh, renditions, uh, whereas Superman, it, it it's definitely a, a 
uh, a good TM <laughs> sort of person, you know? <laughs> um, and so that's not everyone's flavor. Uh, and I don't know if it's my flavor or not. I haven't really explored Superman enough to know. Um, <clears throat> but I can understand how you can say the melodrama of Superman paired with his good TM nature might be a little bit boring for you or something like that. And so, yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from in terms of wanting to change the style. Now, would that be faithful to do a one punch man style of uh, Superman? No, it wouldn't be. And I think everyone would be mad as hell. <laughs> so uh, would I tolerate that? I mean, I have no, again, I have no personal attachment. If you did it well, I think it could be hilarious as a satire, but uh, as like a, not a satire, but as a tone, I think that might be a little bit weird and may not fit the character very well. But uh, that's my opinion on this weird take. <laughs> cool. Anything else to say about to that? Uh, no, not really. I think I agree there. <laughs> cool. So that's arguing with Reddit. If you disagree with any of the hot takes that I just gave, any anything at all, whether it's the advice I gave, um, hashtag not financial advice, if any anything that could have been <laughs> construed as financial advice. Um, but if you disagree with any of the advice I gave or any of the opinions I gave, just let us know in the comments or join our Discord, uh, which is ariela.co slash mixpedia slash Discord. Links in the description. Or go to mixmediapodcast.com to get all the, your links. So there's that. Y'all think too small, I got big dreams You just starting, I'm way ahead at the end scenes Started reading and dodging all of the quick schemes Money like your Spotify, boy, I got 10 streams And I'm still looking for more My people, they got a sore, I'm putting that on the Lord Ain't accepting, ignore, just kicking down all the doors Guarantee you, boy, if I ask for it, it's gotta be real big I gotta make it just for my kids and for their kids It's kids, that's wealth years and years